Kevin, let me just do one thing. Um, and and Aditi, the did I put yeah, the the mother of the demigod? She was you know she was upset that she's there in the heavenly planets, but her sons aren't, and she's distraught. And so her uh, husband comes out of meditation and um, is going to Kasyapa. Uh, Muni, and that's where the that's where we begin our conversation, um, or the the that's where we are. We're on text twenty one. <clears throat> so uh, so just to go back a few. So Kasyapa, oh wait wait, Sukadev uh, Goswan. Uh, this is on eighteen. It just says that when Kasyapa Muni was thus requested by Aditi, he slightly smiled. Alas, he said, "How powerful is the illusory energy of Lord Vishnu." which the entire world is down by affection for children because he was like you know you all of this because of you know your children kasyapa continued what is the material body made of five elements so he's giving gyan he's really giving detached knowledge to her it is different from the spirit soul indeed the spirit soul is completely different from the material elements from which the body is made right so we the soul are different from earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. But because of bodily attachment, one is regarded as a husband or son. These illusory relationships are caused by misunderstanding. And if you remember, we always, it's, I always find it's helpful to remind us. So this is Gan, this is knowledge. This is the kind of knowledge like described in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita from verse 11 to 30, that it's not bhakti, but it can lead to bhakti if, if, if it's understood properly. Often what it does is it leads to detachment, right? If someone thinks, well, you know, uh, my, my, my wife, my father, my husband, I've had so many wives and husbands, I've had so many lifetimes, you know, and this lifetime is so short that it's a blink of an eye and it's over. Why should I get so attached? Um, or my children, you know, uh, you know, who cares about them? They're just there. You know, are they really my children? They're they're related to. They're, we're just you know related for this lifetime. It can really harden the heart, right? That kind of gam, and therefore it's important to. Mix can well, it's okay that that knowledge can be helpful, it's there in the Bhagavad Gita, but one also has to take it to its ultimate end, which is bhakti. And then when you add bhakti, then yes, you have a husband and wife, you they're hopefully they're devotees, and serving them is serving uh Krishna's devotees, and your children, you try to you know bring them up in an atmosphere of God consciousness. And there's naturally some affection there. You're not overly affectionate, affectionate that they, they are the be all and end all of you, but they but they're important. And and Krishna also says in the Gita that we do our duty, right? And our duty is to take care of our family. Um, and, and so it's it's natural. 
It's just a question of directing it in a, in a God conscious way. So Kasyapa right now, and you'll see, he, he, he's, he's going to say, well, I'm not really getting through to my wife completely by this, this uh, line of argument. But he says, uh, but because of the bodily attachment, one is regarded as husband or son. These illusory relationships are caused by misunderstanding. And it's true. How long, you know, it's not illusory because it's, it, it doesn't exist. Everything is illusory because it's temporary. But again, that's not enough. That knowledge is, is, is maybe you could say necessary, but not sufficient. You can get really detached or you can get really depressed with that kind of knowledge. You have to say, okay, because it's not just what am I not? What am I? And I'm Krishna's eternal servant. And then that puts all other relationships into perspective. <clears throat> So in text 20, my dear Aditi, now he's saying, okay, now you should, you should engage in, um, in bhakti. Uh, engage in devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God, who is the master of everything, who can subdue everyone's enemies, and who sits within everyone's heart. Only that Supreme Person, Krishna or Vasudev, can bestow all auspicious benedictions upon everyone, for he is the spiritual master of the universe. Okay, so we're starting on 21 now. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is very merciful to the poor, will fulfill all your desires, for devotional service unto him is infallible. Any method other than devotional service, other than bhakti, is useless. That is my opinion. So now he's bringing it to a uh, higher level. So let's look at this purport. There are three kinds of men who are called ak, uh, uh, akama, means without, and we'll, we'll hear what it is, means in a second, moksha kama and sarva kama. One who tries to get liberation from this material world is called moksha kama, and that's compared to the jnani. Mm. Liberation in this sense, not necessarily bhakti, okay? But just freedom from stuka, from suffering. Uh, one who wants to enjoy this material world to its fullest extent is called sarvakama. And in one way or another, that's where most people in this world are at. And one who has fulfilled all his desires and has no further material desires is called akama. A bhakta, a devotee, has no desire. What do you mean he has no desire? We're full of desires. Well, let's keep going. We know that we have, that means no material desires. Their only desire is to see that Krishna is pleased. Then Prabhupada quotes a famous verse, Sarvopadi Ignyamuktam Tatparat Venanimalam. He is purified and free from material desires. The Moksha Kami wants to achieve liberation by merging into the existence of the Supreme Brahman. And because of this desire to merge into the existence of the Lord, uh, he is not yet pure. And since those who want liberation are impure, what to speak of the karmis, remember the karmis were the people who want to enjoy the material to its fullest extent, who have so many desires to fulfill. Nonetheless, Shastra says, and this is a very important verse, akama sarvakamova mokshakama udhardi trivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purushampuram. 
whether one desires everything, that's um, uh, sarvakama, or desires nothing, akama, or desires to merge into the existence of the Lord, moksha kama. He is intelligent only if he worships Lord Krishna, the supreme personality of God, by rendering transcendental loving service. That's from the second canto. Kasyapa Muni saw that his wife Aditi, let me just see if uh, I have to let more people in. No, okay. Um, had some material desires for the welfare of her sons, but still he advised her to render devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God. So she wasn't completely pure, but what does Kasyapa say? Do bhakti. In other words, everyone, regardless of whether he is a karmi, jnani, yogi, or bhakta, should invariably take shelter of the lotus feet of Vasudev and render transcendental loving service unto him so that all his desires will be duly fulfilled. Krishna is Dina Anukampana. He is very merciful to everyone. Therefore, if one wants to fulfill his material desires, Krishna helps him. Of course, sometimes if a desire is if a devotee is very sincere, Lord, as a special favorite to him, refuses to fulfill his material desires and directly blesses him with pure, unalloyed devotional service. It is said in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna kahe ami bhaje, bhaje vishaya shuka, amrita chadi visha bhaje, um, e bhada murka, ami vigyan e murke vishaya kena dubha, dubha, Swacharanamrita dhya vishaya bulaibha. Okay, uh, let's talk about this first part before, because that's like, uh, that's a really second important point. So we, so if you think about it, we all kind of fit into one of these categories, either karmi, gani, yogi, or bhakta. Um, and the moksha kama, the person desiring liberation, they, they, can, they, they, they are often subdivided. Oops, just have to say. Um, just give me one second. My wife is calling, but she should know I'm giving class now. <laughs> um, and we do separate the two um, into uh, Nivishesha and Shunyavadi, right? So Mayavadis are uh, Nivishesha and Buddhists are Shunyavadi. But basically, you know, uh, voidist and impersonalist. There is a supreme, but it's impersonal, and void means nothing. But even in Buddhism, if you know the four noble truths, right, they all have to do with, with dukkha, you know, the Sanskrit, right, which means miseries, that this world is a place of misery. And, and that's one of the big impetuses for what's mentioned in this purport, uh, desiring liberation. One just sees, either through their intelligence or through their life experiences, that this world is not a place of happiness. And the challenge for the karmi is they actually, you know, the karmi, um, and we to some extent have this still in our heart. We think that 
this world is still a place of happiness. When, um, when he says, when he's talking about those people who want to achieve liberation by merging into the existence of the Supreme Brahma, to me, it sounds like he's re making reference to here to Buddhists or, or Mayavadis, right? Or is that? To Mayavadis, yes. In, in other words, impersonalists. Right? Yeah, impersonalists, yes, yes, okay. exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, and yeah, and we could get into, you know, a whole thing about that, but I just thought it was, I was just studying a little bit about um because um, somebody had mentioned it in a, a lecture about um, um, the Four Noble Truths. And, you know, the, they all are focused somehow or other on, on Tuka, on the fact that this place is a place of uh, suffering. And we say that also, uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadi, Tuka, Doshana, Darshanam that one keeps in the forefront of their consciousness that uh, birth, now we don't, we, birth is so traumatic, we don't remember the pain of birth. Um, if you ask my wife, she definitely remembers the pain of childbirth, giving birth, because uh, there was no anesthesia. She was in India and it was very, very, that was the reason we only had one child. Because she said, no way am I going through that again. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> But birth is uh, a very... I did it that way for Aura. I'll, I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then um, old age, definitely um, um, people on this call haven't really experienced that yet. Maybe uh, maybe myself, Andy, and Grudas are going in that direction. <clears throat> but, uh, well, we're all going in that direction eventually, right? Um, but there, there's, there's so many challenges as one gets older, my gosh. Um, disease. So my wife got COVID this week. And uh, it was actually quite a mild case. But the first night was definitely no fun. And any of us who've ever had any disease of any kind, it is no fun whatsoever. And, uh, uh, and then, of course, death is not exactly a barrel of laughs. <clears throat> and then, but then you read, so it's so interesting, right? That Krishna says that, that's gyan. That's to give us some idea of detachment. This is not a world for enjoyment. But what is it a world of? And that's what's so cool. That's one of the coolest things about bhakti. It is a place of love. It is a place of devotion. It is a place that where the great teacher, Prabodhananda Saraswati, one of the great gurus in our line, said, um, Vishwam Purna Sukhayate, that when one is absorbed in bhakti, they see the whole world as uh, Vishwam, the whole world, Vishwam Purna means all, all world Sukhayate, place of happiness. And how is that possible when you have birth, death, disease, and old age? Because of that um, counterintuitive mindset that when you're just focused on Krishna's pleasure, then you become happy. When you're focused on your own pleasure, you don't become happy. <laughs> it's count it seems counterintuitive, but it's it is a uh, it is a reality. So now we're going to hear about this this uh, more uh, what you could say advanced point. So here it is Krishna says if one engages in my transcendental loving service um, 
but at the same time wants the opulence of material enjoyment. He is very, very foolish. Indeed, he is just like a person who gives up ambrosia to drink poison. Since I am very intelligent, Krishna says, why should I give this fool material prosperity? Instead, I shall induce him to take the nectar of the shelter of my lotus feet and make him forget illusory material enjoyment. So sometimes we go through real challenges in our life. And I know many of you personally, and I know some of the challenges that you're going through and uh, they aren't fun in any way, shape or form. And yet uh, we try, and I know this is not easy and it's easy to say, but we try to make you know lemonade out of the lemons. And we try to see that this might be a huge uh, lesson for me that I'll be able to carry with me throughout the rest of my life when we, when we go through different um, challenges. And if you're not going through challenges now, well, you know, just around the corner. Because remember what the Buddhists say, dukkha is the essence of this world. <laughs> but Krishna here is saying he helps us in one way or another, it doesn't mean he has to smash us to pieces, but one way or another, maybe send a really good lecture that you hear or some really good association or this or that. In, in different ways, he, he, uh, he tries to help the sincere devotee come closer to him. Continuing, if a devotee maintains some material desire and at the same time very sincerely desires to engage at the lotus feet of Krishna, Krishna may directly give him unalloyed devotional service and take away all his material desires and even, it says here, possessions. This is the Lord's special favor to devotees. Otherwise, if one takes to Krishna's devotional service but still has material desires to fulfill, he may become free from all material desires as Dhruva Maharaj did, but this may take some time. However, if a very sincere devotee wants only Krishna's lotus feet, Krishna directly gives him the position of Sudha Bhakti, unalloyed devotional service. So we don't have to worry. We shouldn't worry. Oh, if I really become sincere, Krishna's going to like really smash me to pieces, so to speak. No, the idea is that our do our part of really trying to become more sincere. And that sincerity, you know, is summarized. Krishna, how can I please you? I want to please you. I want to connect with you uh, through chanting and through so many different things. But the point, the real point that I, I take from this last part of this purport is we are in relationship with Krishna. He's real. You can experience it if, if you, if we, we can experience it if we um, deeply take shelter, for example, of the holy name of Krishna, because he's non-different from his holy name. If we associate with devotees, if we hear the Bhagavatam, we, we can feel that the presence of that person God is not an it. God is a he. I mean, sometimes the Mohini Murthy is she. <laughs> or Radharani is she, right? Um, and that's, that's really what we want, even if we don't know it sometimes, to have that kind of intimate relationship with the all-kind, all-loving, all-beautiful Supreme Personality of God. Any questions or comments on this?
I was I was just thinking. Um, yes, <clears throat> good morning. For my God, is it? It's like really yeah. early for you. Uh, four fifty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, sorry, uh, I blew it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I guess the thought just comes up since the the types of individuals you're describing, you know, it's they're they're they've got these desires, but in the end, isn't all of the desire for Krishna anyway? Because it's like it's just a confused desire for for his energy, isn't that? Yeah, isn't, yeah, that's, that that's true. But it's, but you definitely, I think you've experienced, and we've all experienced the difference when our desires are connected with pleasing Krishna, when our desires are perverted, is the word Prabhupada would use. Um, right. Right. So it's more, so again, it's, it's more of just the sentiment in the heart more than anything else. It's the, yeah, yes, that's a nice way to put it, sentiment in the heart. We, we sometimes would use the word desire. We sometimes would even use, if you remember, the word greed uh, in terms of Krishna. In other words, an intense desire. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, the whole world is, is resting on the on desire. What do we want? Is that all right, Adam? Yeah, yes, thank you. Did you did you chant your did you read your four verses yet today? No. <laughs> I I got I right out of it. I didn't think so because you had to up. get up for this. <laughs> yeah. Right. And right afterwards I will. Yeah, Adam's Adam, when he wakes up in the morning, reads four verses from the Gita every day. Okay, anything else on this? Uh somebody puts was there something in the chat? I didn't I saw something pop up in the chat. Um, this is not meant to be facetious, but I facetious. Sorry, yeah, it's really been a tough day. I knew it was, I knew it was an easy word that I know, but that this is not meant to be facetious. But I don't know another way to ask this. What if the fool Krishna is trying to teach by taking away all of the material desires? What if that fool somehow misinterprets? that somehow and doesn't turn to Krishna. Yes, um, well, we see that. That's why that verse that we often quote, Canto 10, chapter 14, verse 8, that tate nukampam sukshamikshamano, that, that, um, that one automatically in, um, inherits the kingdom of God if one can understand that when difficulties come, they they thank Krishna and with their heart, with their words, with their mind, they they uh, offer respects to him. So inheriting the kingdom of God is not easy, and and therefore developing that consciousness is not so easy. I was just reading. Oh, let me see if I can find it real quickly. Um, when I was in New York recently, I took uh, some pictures of things that I thought were really cool. One of them was, oh, I don't, this is, now this is a bit of a detour, but you see that, that I was just walking by the streets of New York and somebody had etched in the cement next to that drain, be a fountain, not a drain. <laughs> and I, uh, 
went by this uh, sports store and it said, life is not a spectator sport. I thought that was pretty cool. But then I also saw on um, somebody's refrigerator, some daily affirmations for spiritual progress by Vaisheshika Prabhu. And he has 12 of them. And number 11 is, everything that happens to me is part of Krishna's benevolent plan to purify me and bring me closer to his lotus feet. <clears throat> so that is one of the 12 daily affirmations that he's, I'll just read one or two more just because they're, they're, they're really good. Um, whoops. My integrity is my strength. My austerities are my wealth. I forgive easily. I listen carefully for Krishna's voice, which leads me to new brilliant uh, ideas in his service. I am not my body or mind. I am superior to negative thoughts and low actions. Those are just a few. Uh, because we know, so Guru Das continues, because we know Krishna loves us much more than we love him. And that danger seems very real to me. It is, it is yes, it, 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 it's a, certainly a possibility that we misinterpret Krishna's kindness. Uh, you, can, you can do that in any relationship, right? Um, someone is really trying to be kind to you, but somehow it, it triggers you or you misinterpret their intention, right? And then Gurudas says one more. Uh, so instead of turning to Krishna, the fool who cannot conceive that this is somehow Krishna's interacting with him, struggles to put the load of bricks back on his head. Yes, it is certainly possible. And that's one reason why association is so important because we can start going down that rabbit hole, as you say, Gurudas, and then we talk to another devotee and say, wait a second, can't we look at this a different way? And they may help us reframe it. That's what we call it in, in conflict resolution jargon, to reframe something. And that, that's basically, in one sense, Bhagavad Gita is a reframing book, <laughs> right? That we, we're, we're, we're looking at the world one way, and Krishna's giving us a whole different worldview, a whole different way to see what's going on. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, Man, a little louder. It's a little hard to hear you. Oh, Srila Prabhupada is also mentioned in purports, I think, in the chat. Uh, Bhagavad Gita purports that uh, devotees, when they're faced with difficulties, will think that it could have been worse. Yes. So, yes. Uh, Very good. Yes. And it, it pretty much always could be worse, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Prabhupada once exemplified that he cut his finger and he said, well, uh, you know, I assume my whole finger, I should have lost my whole finger if a Christian was very kind. He was just trying to show that it's, it's not only like a factual thing. It's, it's a mood. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. sentiment. It's a, it's an emotion. It's a sign of bhakti. But it could be worse, you know, yeah. yeah. And that's why it's uh, in every religious tradition in the world, and even in self-help jargon all over the world, the idea of being grateful and showing gratitude is uh, is such an essential part of any serious spiritual practice, right? Um, yeah. Okay, let's carry on. Text 
Srimati Aditi said, O Brahmana, please tell me the regulator principles by which I may worship the Supreme Master of the world so that the Lord will be pleased with me and fulfill all my desires. Now, in this yuga, if someone said that to you, oh, you know, fill in the blank, oh, uh, Nandimuki, oh, Saradiya, oh, Adam, oh, Dana, etc. Uh, tell me the regulated principles by which I may worship Krishna. And what would you answer them? Any of you? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. Very good. So that's the Yuga Dharma. So now that, so now Kasyapa is going to answer something different because this was a different Yuga and a different, totally a different situation. You know, there weren't, there were no Walmarts at this time or Amazons or, uh, you know, Whatever, it's a different, totally different universe. Uh, in the purport, Prabhupada says, it is said man proposes, God disposes. Thus a person may desire many things, but unless these desires are fulfilled by the Supreme Personality of God, they cannot be fulfilled. Fulfillment of desire is called Satya Sankalpa. Here the word Satya Sankalpa is very important. Aditi placed herself at the mercy of her husband so that he would give her directions by which to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and that all her desires would be fulfilled. A disciple, now this is, must first decide that he should worship the Supreme Lord, and then the spiritual master will give the disciple correct directions. One cannot dictate to the spiritual master, just as a patient cannot demand that his physician prescribe a certain type of medicine. Could you, could you imagine? the, the uh, silliness of that. I mean, of course, in one sense, it's not completely silly in the sense that uh, now you see um, that, I, I don't know how many years ago this started, but it was not there when I was a child, certainly, that drug companies would actually uh, advertise their drugs to the uh, prospective patients. <laughs> not, you know, of course, I can understand maybe advertising to doctors, Right, to prescribe them. Uh, and it's so weird, right? Because, you know, many comedians have made jokes about this because at the end of the advertisement, they basically go through all the possible side effects of that medicine. Um, but still, in general, you know, uh, you wouldn't go to doctors and say, well, could you please prescribe such and such? And it has nothing to do with the ailment that you have. Right? One can... Uh, one cannot dictate to the spiritual master just as a patient demand, cannot command, demand that his physician prescribe a certain type of medicine. Here is the beginning of worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Chatur Vita Vijantemam, Jana Sukritin Arjuna, Artog Jigyasur Artati, Gyani Cha Paratarsava. O best among the Paratas, four kinds of pious men render devotional service unto me the distressed. So that's, uh, Aditi fits into that category, the desire of wealth. You could say she fits into that category. She wants heaven back for her sons. The inquisitive, mm, a little bit, and searching for knowledge of the absolute that, you know. So here it says, Aditi was Artha, a person in distress. 
she was very much aggrieved because her sons, the demigods, were bereft of everything. Thus, she wanted to take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead the, under the direction of her husband, Kasyapa Muni. So um, it's said elsewhere that the Arto and the Artarti, the desire of wealth and the distress, have to at least come up to the level of jigyasa or inquisitiveness. Otherwise, once their material desires are fulfilled, they'll basically forget about God again until there's another problem. So at least become inquisitive. But still, all four of these are considered, uh, what's the word here, sukritino, pious. So that is her situation. She, she's not completely a pure devotee at this stage, but she is going in a good direction. Any questions or comments on this? I have a question. Yes. Hmm. So, um, what would you say when the devotee uh, comes to the Lord to fulfill the, his material desires, and once his desires are fulfilled, um, he goes away? Is there is there something that can be said to such a person that, at that point that can attract them further? Um. Sure. Give them a lot. No, I mean, yeah, obviously, obviously, uh, um, an expert, expert preacher could, you know, step in. But um, just considering what, what you have just so kindly mentioned, that the person comes to the you know, Lord for a specific material desire, and once that's fulfilled, um, that that was what was in his mind to be done, and now it's done. Now he's ready to move on to the next part of his life. Yeah, well, there are, there are, of course, that, that, that happens. Um, you know, what do they say? You know, I don't know if it's true, but no atheists in the foxholes, right? You know, in a really difficult situation. And I think that happens to many of us in a to a smaller degree that when things are really going tough, we, we tend to take shelter more and Krishna, I'm all dependent on you and, and our sincerity comes out. And then as Ikendra Prabhu says in his song, and then it lets up a little, it only lets up a little, but when it lets up a little, I think I like it here. <laughs> uh, that's that's his lyrics to one of his songs. We, we, we lost you, could you repeat that? Could you repeat that? My I think it's your connection. I think everyone else can hear. I think uh, it's your song connection. Gurdas, I think it's your oh, okay. connection. Can everyone else hear Sorry. what I You also froze up. Oh, I froze? It was just like a little bit of a thing when I said I heard the song. Huh? Okay, so I was just saying that uh, things when, even for us, we can be very sincere when we have some big challenge in our life or some big event in our life. Um, and then sometimes when that's over, our, our intensity of bhakti or, or can wane a bit, can go down a bit. Um, one thing that really makes us steady in bhakti is, is not just uh, the, 
is experiencing Krishna. In the second verse of the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, it says that what, what devotee really wants is direct perception of the, of the self by realization. And that this bhakti is everlasting and it is joyfully performed. So we really have to, as George Harrison said, open up the jar of honey and lick the inside, not lick the outside of the jar. But you have to, you know, so we do have to, um, not have to, but to experience Krishna, it takes some um, dedication and fix, fixedness of mind. So also that story comes to mind where the this uh, sannyasi was rumored to have a touchstone which would turn everything into gold. Oh, and then this person approached him and he said, can I have that? And you know, the sannyasi said, it's in that heap of trash over there. And you know he gets it and he's enjoying for a while. Somebody says, oh, if that wasn't that heap of trash, you must have something better. <laughs> That's a Sananga Swami story. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that. That's a very illustrative. Yeah. But if we just, if, but if Krishna consciousness just be, remains theoretical, it's, you know, that touchstone is starting to look pretty good. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so we do need to, we, we do want to get that higher taste of, you know, absorption in Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, shall we carry on? Um, text 23. Obesa the Brahmanas kindly instruct me in the perfect method of worshiping the Supreme Personality of God in devotional service, by which the Lord may very soon be pleased with me and save me along with my sons from this most dangerous condition. And in the purport, Prabhupada says, sometimes less intelligent men ask whether one has to approach a guru to be instructed in devotional service or spiritual advancement. The answer is given here. Indeed, not only here, but also in Bhagavad Gita, where Arjuna accepted Krishna as his guru. The Vedas also instruct One must accept a guru for proper direction if one is seriously inclined towards advancement in spiritual life. The Lord says that one must worship the Acharya, who is the representative of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One should definitely understand this. <clears throat> so um, there's different ways to understand. Like Bhakti Vigyan Maharaj, I was hearing him recently, and he said, when we talk Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, uh, his understanding is that guru refers to Prabhupada and the previous acharyas. Sadhus are the, all the present gurus and all the devotees in ISKCON. And of course, Shastra is Shastra. But the idea of taking guidance from more advanced devotees, uh, whether, they, you know, whether they have the label guru or not, it's not is not the issue, but someone who can help us advance in Krishna consciousness um, and who's doing their very best to set an example of Krishna consciousness. Um, so that is, this comes up, uh, I mean, it, it's, <clears throat> I'm giving a gross generalization here, 
but this comes up in some ways differences between Protestantism and Catholicism, right? Whereas Protestantism says that uh, is focused on your direct relationship with Jesus, and Catholicism is you know going through the you could say the parampara of of popes, um, and I know that that's a that's a very general. Um, Thing. And, and we say we, we kind of combine the two in Krishna consciousness that we want to have a direct relationship with Krishna and you get that through pleasing his devotees. <laughs> so the experience is direct, although it's going through, you know, the parampara, the, the disciplic succession. So anything on this point? Okay, then there's one more verse about gurus, and then after 25, we, there's a lot of verses without purports. So Kasyapamuni replies, when I desire off, desired offspring, I placed inquiries before Lord Brahma, who was born from the lotus flower. Now I shall explain to you the same process Lord Brahma instructed me, by which Keshava, another name for Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, is satisfied. And here again about the guru, here, here the process of devotional service is further explained. Kasyapa Muni wanted to instruct Aditi <coughs> in the same process recommended to him by Brahma for satisfying the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is valuable. The guru does not manufacture a new process to instruct the disciple. The disciple receives from the guru the authorized process received by the guru from his guru. This is called the process of the siblic succession. Evam parampara praptam imam rajar shayogitu. This is the bona fide Vedic system of receiving the process of devotional service by which the Supreme Personality of God is pleased. Therefore, to approach a bona fide guru or spiritual master is essential. <clears throat> the bona fide spiritual master is he who has received the mercy of his guru who in turn is a bona fide because he has received mercy of his guru. So it goes on <coughs> and on in that way. Hmm. Now, this, is, this can get a little tricky because a devotees will adjust things according to the time, the place, and the circumstance. But the essential thing, for example, Prabhupada did not... You know, his guru said, chant Hare Krishna. Prabhupada didn't say, now chant, you know, Om Shalom, right? So the essential things remain the same, although some details may differ from guru to guru. That's, you know, because we're, they're persons. But the standard process, so here, Kasyapa is giving Aditi the same process that he was given by Lord Brahma. So it's, it's important, you know, to make that, make that distinction and to know the difference between a principle that can never be changed and a detail that is fine, that is okay to change according to time, place, and circumstance and to make more relevant, right? Um, just like, you know, a small thing, you know, so here in Washington, D.C., in, in Prabhupada's time, he called it the Sunday love feast. And, uh, some devotees here in DC said that that doesn't know. I don't know if that resonates in the year 2022. 
love feast. So, you know, we changed it to the Sunday open house. Now, some people say that, well, that sounds like a real estate thing. But anyway, there's a, but in other words, they didn't change the fact that the, the principle is, you know, serving prasadam, inviting people to see the deities and to hear a, a talk about Krishna, right? But, you know, how you call it or or how the talks are done, should it be just like a Bhagavatam class, Om Namo Bhagavate, or should it be um, thematic? And you talk about different themes every week. That's a detail. But giving people the opportunity to hear about Krishna, that's a principle. And when Prabhupada was once asked, how do you know the difference between a principle and a detail? He said, that takes some intelligence. <laughs> but, um, but here the, the need to be faithful to a tradition and be faithful to a standard process is given. So Lord Chaitanya taught us to chant the holy name and therefore we, we chant the holy name. We may do it with a murdanga and kartals, or we may do it with a uh, uh, electric guitar and, you know, um, drum set, but the chanting is there. Any questions, comments on this? Yeah, I just want to say that I was in, um, I was in Amsterdam for what they call King's Day. Oh. Which is, is total drunkenness for right. two days. Right. Even even they're not satisfied with getting drunk on King's Day. It starts the day before you get extremely drunk, and then you go into King's Day getting even as drunk as possible. Right? <laughs> but there were some Hare Krishnas out there holding forth. I didn't yes. stop to talk to them, but they were out there, and they fit in pretty well. In other words, they can make a lot of noise too, you know. Yes. And, uh, and they were doing it, and they were doing a great job. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, that's a big day for them to do uh, Sam Kirtan on the street. Yeah. yeah, if you can compete with that, you've got something pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kenari and I ran into some there as well. In fact, it's surprising how many when we did our um, Scandinavian tour. I, I got to say, of all those places up there that are Nordic-ish, I know the Netherlands isn't necessarily considered, but... Um, the uh, wanton acceptance of, I guess, hedonism there, it, the city seems soiled compared to other cities in the immediate uh, vicinity. I don't know, certain parts of, what is it, Dewalin or, or whatever it is? It's, um, I don't know. It was. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of drunkenness. Uh, prostitution is legal. Uh, yeah. Many well, here. Here's a funny story, if you'll give me a minute. Um, Kinari, you know, when she was doing her search for hotels, it was really just based on convenience, based on a map. Well, Dewalin is right smack next to the train station. So we had, by purely by accident, we were literally in the heart of the red light district, which we soon figured out when we were staying. It's kind of funny. Aura was small, so we're pushing this baby around. Uh, it's funny, everyone's sitting in this cafe smoking dope, looking at us like we're crazy, which probably wasn't entirely untrue. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it, I also noticed in uh, New York Pratheatra this year that I spent a couple of days in New York and marijuana is legal there. And you could, I mean, it's felt like 50% of the time I was in New York, yeah. I could smell. Uh, um, 
Uh, yeah, so things. Uh, oh, I think the same thing about DC now too. Oh yeah, I, oh, I haven't been. Uh, I guess I haven't been out in DC really. Um, yeah, much as uh, New York. Yes, well, it's a uh, and, and the and if going taking that back to the original point in in uh, well, actually, we were just studying this. We were doing Bhagavad Gita class yesterday. Um, and let me just, it, it just struck me one thing that Srila Prabhupada said, let's see, what chapter we were on, chapter three. Um, let me see if I can find the quote real quickly. Oh yeah, when one enjoys sense gratification, it may be that there is some feeling of happiness. So yeah, okay, I like the fact Prabhupada acknowledges that. But actually, this so-called feeling of happiness is the ultimate enemy of the sense enjoyer. That's a pretty powerful statement. The, 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 the feeling, that feeling of happiness is our ultimate enemy. Okay, let me go back to the verse that we're on. And yet, and yet people use it as such a compass in the sense that if I'm feeling happy, that must mean I'm doing something right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's a real, mm, what's the word? Um, it's just, it's natural, it's reassuring, it's, um, you know, quote unquote, bent to be. And that's why it's, uh, it's why it's so, uh, hard sometimes to um, to consider yeah. yeah devotional principles because it's yeah and and we don't have a we don't I mean when Arjuna was speaking to Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra the the whole um, mindset was that of reincarnation and karma and that this that this is one lifetime of so many lifetimes and the that mindset is so divorced from today even in india in for the most part um and therefore we don't make that connection between enjoyment in air quotes that i have now and the effect that is going to have on me the soul in a, in a future life we just don't make that connection Whereas, or even that there is a future life. Yeah. Whereas in ancient cultures, there was often that that was a given and it was it permeated that that thought process permeated society. And it yeah, it, it it takes it takes on therefore a very, very different, even if you want to enjoy, you, you know, you would enjoy in a way that doesn't degrade you. Therefore, there was a karma kanda section of the Vedas, etc. Uh, Man, you wanted to say something? No, no. I was thinking, like you know, Rajagun, the three modes of material nature. Yes. So nice. they, uh, you know, how they control us. <laughs> so, like Rajagun, if we are cognizant, we can elevate ourselves to the sattva. But usually, Rajagun really devolves us into some of before we know it. <laughs> 
and Rajagun is uh, nectar in the beginning yeah. and poison in the end. And yeah. sattva is poison in the beginning and nectar in the end. Yeah. And I think we all experience that when you, when you do something right, mm -hmm. uh, even though it was hard to do, there's some feeling of satisfaction. And when you do something wrong, even though it was lots of fun in the beginning, there's usually some lamentation at the end. Yeah. All right, text 24, Sri Kasyapa Muni said, oh, no, I read that. Uh, so text 25, in the bright fortnight of the month of Falguna, February and March, for 12 days ending with Dwadasi, one should observe the vow of subsisting only on milk and should worship the lotus-eyed Supreme Personality of God with devotion. So remember, here's the Pio Brata. Pio means milk. Um, a process that Lord Brahma had taught Kasyapa Muni. It's not the breath that we would follow today, <laughs> but we can sometimes get some lessons from it. And we're going to hear a lot of details about it. First, we'll read this purport. Um, so Prabhupada quotes the, the nine different ways to worship the Lord, hearing, chanting, remembering, serving the lotus feet, deity worship, offering prayers, being a servant and uh, a friend, and full surrender. One should install the deity of Lord Vishnu or Krishna and worship him nicely by dressing him, decorating him with flower garlands and offering him all kinds of fruits, flowers, and cooked food nicely prepared with ghee, sugar, and grains. One should also offer a flame, incense, and so on while ringing a bell is prescribed. So just an overview of deity worship there. This is called worship of the Lord. Here it is recommended that one observe the vow of subsisting only by drinking milk. This is called payobrata. As we generally perform devotional service on Akadasi by not eating grains, it is generally recommended that on Dwadasi one not consume anything but milk. Payobrata and Archana devotional service to the Supreme Lord should be performed with a pure devotional attitude. That's the main point. Doing all kinds of austerities, but no bhakti. Almost useless. Without bhakti, one cannot worship the Supreme Personality of God. Bhakti Amam Abhijananti. One who wants to know the Supreme Personality of Godhead and be directly connected with him, knowing what he wants to eat and how he is satisfied, one must take to the process of bhakti. As recommended here also, bhaktiya para, parama yanvitaha. One should be surcharged with unalloyed devotional service. Surcharged, that's quite a cool word, isn't it? Of course, sometimes we think of the word surcharge. Oh, that's well, that's a surcharge. You mean there's more surcharges? <laughs> but the word surcharge is different. I'm, you know, like the given shakti or an energy or something like that. Surcharge. Hmm. Okay, now um, I guess I'll read read through these quickly. These are all different parts of uh, the Prayobrata um, process of worship. Again, like I said, it's not one that we do today, but was done in bygone days. If dirt dug up from a boar is available, on the day of the dark moon, one should smear this dirt on his body and then bathe in the flowing river. While bathing, one should chant the following mantra. O Mother Earth, you were raised by the Supreme Personality of God in the form of a boar because of your desiring to have a place to stay. I pray that you kindly vanquish all the reactions of my sinful life. 
I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Thereafter, one should perform his daily spiritual duties and then with great attention offer worship to the deity of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and also to the altar, the sun, water, fire, and the spiritual master. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, greatest of all, who lives in everyone's heart and in whom everyone lives, O witness of everything, O Vasudev, supreme and all-pervading person, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So that's a offering obeisances to Krishna. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you, the Supreme Person, being very subtle. You are never visible to material eyes. You are the knower of the 24 elements, and you are the inaugurator of the Sankhya Yoga system. If you remember, Sankhya Yoga is explained in, it's basically that same point I was making earlier, the understanding the difference between the body and the soul, understanding that the world is made up of the different elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, ego, and I'm none of those things. Especially verse 39 of the Bhagavad Gita talks about Sankhya Yoga, chapter 2. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who has two heads, uh, uh, Prayaniya and Udhayaniya. Three legs, uh, Savana Taya, four horns, the four Vedas. So this is allegorical. Um, and seven hands, the seven chandas, such as Gayatri. If one, if I offer my obeisances unto you, whose heart and soul are the three Vedic rituals, Karmakanda, Ganakanda, and Pasana Kanda, and who expand these rituals in the form of sacrifice. So Karmakanda, doing activities for material enjoyment, Ganakanda, doing um, studying in a way to understand I'm not this body, usually leading to impersonal. And upasana kanda can, can mean bhakti, but it can also mean worship of demigods. Text 32. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you, Lord Shiva or Rudra, who are the reservoir of all potencies, the reservoir of all knowledge, and the master of everyone. So now, Prabhupada, as he mentions in the purport, offering obeisance to the expansions and incarnations of the Lord. Lord Shiva is the incarnation of ignorance, one of the modes of nature. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you who are situated as Hiranyagarbha, the source of light, the super soul. So this is about the super soul in every living entity. Your body is a source of the opulence of all mystic power. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So although there's these different things about milk and fasting, a lot of this is prayer offering obeisances. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you who are the original personality of God the witness of everyone's heart and the incarnation of Nara Narayan Rishi in the form of a human being. That's a form of Krishna and uh, uh, the Rishi Nara Narayan, you know, the form of human being, it says here. 35. My Lord, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you who are dressed in yellow garments whose bodily hue resembles the Marakata gem, and who have full control over the goddess of fortune, my oh my Lord Keshava, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. O most exalted and worshipable Lord, best of those who bestow benedictions, you can fulfill the desires of everyone, and therefore those who are sober for their own welfare worship the dust of your lotus feet. All the demigods, as well as the goddess of fortune, engage in the service of his lotus feet. Indeed, they respect the fragrance of those lotus feet. May the Supreme Personality of God be pleased with me. So lotus flowers are not touching the water. So similarly, Krishna's feet are compared to lotus for one reason, 
because he's not part of this material world. Continuing, my, by chanting all these mantras, welcoming the Supreme Personality of God with faith and devotion, and offering him items of worship, such as Padya and Agya, Argya, one should worship Keshava, Rishikesh, Krishna, all names for the same person, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. At the beginning, the devotees should chant the Dasha, the Dva Dasha Kshara mantra and offer flower garlands, incense, and so on. After worshiping the Lord in this way, one should bathe the Lord with milk and dress him with proper garments, a sacred thread, and ornaments. After offering water to wash the Lord's lotus feet, one should again worship the Lord with fragrant flowers, incense, and other paraphernalia. And that mantra Prabhupada mentions is the Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 40. If one can afford to, one should offer the deity fine rice boiled in water with clarified butter and molasses. While chanting the same original mantra, one should offer all this to the fire. So there's a principle here that Prabhupada mentions elsewhere that um, we worship Krishna according to our means. And, and Krishna is so kind, he says, you can even just offer me some water, a piece of fruit, a flower, and he will accept it. That doesn't mean if you're a, you know, uh, a billionaire that you just need to, you know, go buy some, you know, Fuji water for $1.79 and offer Krishna that you can, according to your means, you can, you, we, we worship Krishna. Is this a specific puja that he's mentioning here or just sort of yeah. speaking more generally? No, I'm just trying to extract generalities from the specifics. Mm -hmm. right? Like I just tried to do just now. Okay. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. So, you know, boil rice boiled in milk with clarified butter. Yeah, it's very specific. And that's why I started by saying, what would you be your advice? In our age, the advice is mainly to chant Krishna's name. I guess what I, what I mean is, um, is this a, a this specific, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, protocol that he's talking about here? Is it that? For a specific occasion, or is this more yes, like it, a? Sorry, I thought you. Were... Yeah, go ahead. Yes, it's. It was. We we read earlier that it was for twelve days. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So it is a specific one, but but many of the much of what's being described here has some of its counterpart in our worship in the temple room. Temple. One should offer all the prasad to a Vaishnava or offer him some of the prasad and then take some oneself. After this, one should offer the deity achmana and then betel nut, and then again, worship the Lord. So serving prasadam is an important part of worship. Thereafter, one should silently murmur the mantra 108 times and offer prayers to the Lord for his glorification. Then one should circumambulate the Lord and finally with great delight and satisfaction offer obeisances falling straight like a rod. After touching to one's head all the flowers and water offered to the deity, one should throw them into a sacred place. Then one should feed at least two brahmanas with a sweet rice. <laughs> one should perfectly honor the respectable brahmanas one has fed, and then after taking their permission, one should take prasad with his friends and relatives. For that night, one should observe strict celibacy and the next morning, after bathing again with purity and attention, one should bathe the deity of Vishnu with milk and worship him according to the methods formerly 
stated in detail. Worshiping Lord Vishnu with great faith and devotion, and living only by drinking water, one should follow this vow. One should also offer oblations to the fire and feed the brahmanas as mentioned above. In this way, until 12 days has passed, one should observe the Payo Prata, worshiping the Lord every day, executing the routine duties, performing sacrifices, and feeding the brahmanas. From Pratipat, that's the, um, the day after the new and full moon, until the 13th day of the next bright moon, Sukla Tayodasi, one should observe complete celibacy, sleep on the floor, bathe three times a day, and thus execute the vow. During this period, one should not unnecessarily talk of material subjects or topics of sense gratification. That's a good one for more than 12 days. One should be completely free from envy of all living entities, and one should be pure and simple, be a pure and simple devotee of Lord Vishnu. So those are pretty, that's pretty universal. Thereafter, following the direction of the Shastra, with help from Brahmanas who know the Shastras, on the 13th day of the moon, one should bathe Lord Vishnu with five substances. So this is like a uh, Abhisheka that they do at the temple. Giving up the miserly habit of not spending money, <laughs> one should arrange for the gorgeous worship of the Supreme Personality of God of Vishnu is situated in the heart of every living entity. With great attention, one must prepare an oblation of grains boiled in ghee and milk and must chant the Purusha Shukta. That's a very auspicious prayer. Mantra. The offerings of food should be a varieties of tastes. In this way, one should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One should satisfy the spiritual master, Acharya, one who teaches by example, who is very learned in Vedic literature and should satisfy his assistant priests known as Hotra, Udgata, Ardvarya, and Brahma. One should please them by offering them clothing, ornaments, and cows. This is the ceremony called Vishnu Aradhana, or worship of Lord Vishnu. So how do you worship Lord Vishnu? By serving his devotees. <clears throat> so yes, uh, these days, sometimes that happens. I've been at functions and things when somebody will give me a gift of a dhoti or a kurta or some, you know, clothing. Um, here it's also said uh, ornaments. Well, maybe... Cows, I haven't gotten a cow donated lately. I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. We have two here in the temple, uh, Gita and Bani. But, um, you know, if Dana was somebody donated Dana a cow while she's visiting in Pittsburgh, she might have trouble transporting that cow back to Florida. And, and he, the cow may not, she may not fit very well in her apartment in Florida. So I'm just pointing this out, being a little comical that we, 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 we get the principles and we may not follow all the details. <laughs> oh, most auspicious lady, one should perform all the ceremonies under the direction of learned acharyas and should satisfy them and their priests. By distributing prasad, one should also satisfy the brahmanas and others who have assembled. Um, one should satisfy the spiritual master and assistant priest by giving them cloth, ornaments, cows, and also some monetary contribution. Uh, and by distributing prashad, wants to sat satisfy everyone assembled, including even the lowest of men, the chandalas, eaters of dog flesh. Okay, purport, important purport. In the Vedic system, prasad is distributed as recommended here without discrimination as to who may take the prasad. 
regardless of whether it would be a Brahmana, Shudra, Vaishya, Chatri, or even the lowest of men, Chandala, he should be welcome to accept Prasad. However, when the Chandalas, the lower class or poorer class, are taking Prasad, this does not mean that they have become Narayana or Vishnu. So Prabhupada's taking a little dig here at um, <clears throat> the uh, Dravidra Narayana, that, that's, that poor people have become like Narayan, or have become God. Um, no, but they can be taken care of as uh, in a respectful way. The Mayavad philosophy of accepting a poor man as Narayan is the most envious and atheistic movement in Vedic culture. This mentality should be completely given up. Everyone should be given the opportunity to take prasad. Does not mean that everyone has the right to become Narayan. So he was, again, taking some exceptions to the Mayavadi presentation. <clears throat> um, it was almost like a, a political thing more than anything where uh, um, yeah, or, or, you know, sudras were called the uh, Harijanas or children of, of Hari. Now, they may be great devotees, but so might be a super rich Vaisha or, or a leader. But the idea is that the, the essence of wealth is one's bhakti, not whether one is a pauper or, or a, a, a king um, or, or whatever, a Brahmin. The, the essence, and, and therefore to give everyone a chance to take the bhakti, everyone should be given prasadam. And, and although we, we do food for life and we feed the poor, Prabhupada also thought it was important to feed the rich because we're not just feeding their bellies. The rich people don't need our, our whether it's pizza or pakoras, they don't need either of those. But they do need it spiritually to take food that's been offered to Krishna. So they're as much in need in that sense as anyone. So often Prabhupada would look at things, he'd kind of, you know, not, not the temporary differences, but that everyone is a soul and they need some connection to Krishna. And one way to connect to Krishna is by taking prasadam. Any questions on that or comments on prasad? Well, actually I had a tough question. The betel nuts are psychoactive. I mean, they're not psychedelic, but it's actually similar to nicotine. Right. So that doesn't fit into our tradition that we practice. Right. We don't take betel nuts generally. That's right. That's yeah. Right. yeah. So we just say, well, we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. Uh, okay. But you can offer them to Krishna. Or you I can. Have a question. No. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I believe Ooh. so. But, you know, generally, like, we don't offer marijuana, cocaine. No, no, because it's just, yeah. 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 <laughs> Beetle nuts are kind of borderline. They don't, but they are addictive, I guess. They are addictive, yeah. Yeah, so we don't, yeah. We don't. Yeah, someone else, was that Dean's question? Yeah, so this is kind of um, a relatively detailed description of how to carry out a uh, specific, um, you know, pastime or, or uh, you know what I mean, uh, ceremonial type thing. And it's relatively deep inside a multi-volume text of multi-volume texts. Uh, so is there a good like consolidated book or something that just focuses on those things that, you know, are kind of like this, the, the normal, um, you know, to-dos? 
for for um, you know the the religion because I've struggled with that a bit. Oh, in general, not um, not just Hinduism. In general, um, that's yeah. I'm... Like like each year, here's what you you know do. Like I you know I know you know Bavash and whatnot. They they just sort of know the certain times for uh, uh, God. Brains, neurons aren't firing today. For um, it's early for you. Fasting and things like that. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm always kind of a day or two behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are some, there are some um, different things that devotees have written over the years that would um, connect with that. Let me, let me note that. Down. I'm trying to think what would be the best okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a pretty, pretty elaborate one. So I'd assume for the vast majority, it's it's yeah. something that's done at the temple and they come and observe, right? Yeah, this is elaborate. And then no one, yeah, in this age follows exactly this. Yes. Um, but you would you would think in, in a different yuga, probably people were doing it even even at home and stuff. Um yeah, she's not a yeah. She, yeah, she's going to do this at home. Uh, yeah, of course she's a special soul. Just so you know, um, Friday the twenty fourth is a codice. If you need, if you want to know that. <laughs> yeah, there's an app, a free app called uh, G Cal G C A L, that um, can tell you when all those things are. But that's a yeah. I, but that's a really important question. Um, and let me think about what would be the best for that. I'll, I'll bring, I'll look into that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. G Sal, G C A L. Yeah. G-C-A-L. That might be the answer. Um, and you can down, I think it's a free app. Mm-hmm. Maybe tw- two or three dollars. I'm not sure. Um, it's free. Oh, it's free. Okay. All right. So we're almost done with this chapter 56. One should distribute Vishnu Prasad to everyone, including the poor man, the blind man, the non-devotee, the non-Brahmana, knowing that Lord Vishnu is very pleased and everyone is sumptuously fed, sumptuously fed with Vishnu Prasad or Vishnu Prasad. The performer of the yagna should then take Prasad with his friends and relatives so you can break the fast at this time. Every day from Pratipat, the first day of the new or full moon, in this case, it would be the new moon, to Triodasi, one should continue the ceremony to the accompaniment of dancing, singing, and beating of a drum, and chanting of prayers and all auspicious mantras, and recitation of Srimad Bhagavatam. In this way, one should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is the religious ritualistic ceremony known as Payobrata, by which one way may worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I received this information from Brahma, my grandfather, and I have now described it to you in all details. Oh, most fortunate lady, establishing your mind in a good spirit, executing this process of Payobrata, and thus worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is inexhaustible. Um, oh, there's still quite a bit. Wait, wait. Oh, just trying to... Is this something that Kashyapa himself did? Yes, Ramad instructed to him no i mean did he practices 
I think he did at one point. Lord Brahma told him to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Text 60. This Prayabrata is also known as Sarva Yagna. In other words, by performing this sacrifice, one could perform all other sacrifices automatically. <clears throat> this is also acknowledged to be the best of all ritualistic ceremonies, O gentle lady. It is the essence of all austerities, and it is the process of giving charity and pleasing the supreme controller. <clears throat> just want to check one thing. 60, yeah. Okay, so purport. Aradhanam sarvesham vishnu aradhanam pura. This is a statement made by Lord Shiva to Parvati. Worshipping Lord Vishnu is the supreme process of worship. And how Lord Vishnu's worship in this Payobratha ceremony has now been fully described. The ultimate goal of life is to please Lord Vishnu or Krishna by Varnashrama Dharma. The Vedic principles of four Varnas and four Ashramas are meant for worship of Vishnu. Vishnur Aradyate Panta Nanyat Tat Tosham Karanam. The Krishna conscious movement is also Vishnu Aradhana, or worship of Lord Vishnu according to the age. The Payobrat method of Vishnu Radhanam, whoops, I just lost my spot, was enunciated long, long ago by Kasyapa to his wife Aditi in the heavenly planets. And the same process is bona fide on earth even now. Especially for this age of Kali, the process accepted by the Krishna conscious movement is to open hundreds and thousands of Vishnu temples, temples of Radha, Krishna, Jagannath, Balaram, um, Sitaram, Gornitai, and so on, performing prescribed worship in such temples of Vishnu, and thus worshiping the Lord, is as good as performing the Payobrata ceremony recommended here. The Payobrata ceremony is performed from the first to the 13th day of the bright fortnight of the moon, but in our Christian conscious movement, Lord Vishnu is worshiped in every temple according to the schedule of 24 hours of engagement in performing kirtan, chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, offering palatable food to Lord Vishnu and distributing this food to Vaishnavas and others. These are authorized activities, and if the members of the Krishna Conscious Movement stick to these principles, they will achieve the same result one gains by worshiping the Prayobratha ceremony. Thus, the essence of all auspicious activities, such as performing yagna, giving charity, observing bratas, undergoing austerities, is included in ISKCON in the Krishna Conscious Movement. The members of this movement should immediately and sincerely follow the process already recommended. Of course, Sacrifice is meant for to please Lord Vishnu. In Kali Yuga, those who are intelligent perform the Sankirtan Yaga. <clears throat> One should follow this process conscientiously. So again, so here Prabhupada is doing what we've been talking about throughout the chapter, bringing it to our practical practices, and that is to be chanting the holy name of Krishna. Hmm. And that this was something that was done long, long ago. But the essential, the essence of it, and this is the point that, that we made principles and details. We may not follow the details of the Payobrat, but the principle of pleasing Krishna and performing some austerities to please Krishna and being in a devotional mood, that we can bring to our chanting of Krishna's holy name. Okay. Um, there's two more verses that I was going to read. The, I'll read the English and see if you have any questions. This is the best process for pleasing the transcendental supreme personality of God, known as a Hoksajal, another different name for Krishna. 
which means one who's not perceivable by his, our material senses. It is the best of all regulated principles, the best austerity, the best process of giving charity and the best process of sacrifice. Therefore, my dear gentle lady, follow this ritualistic vow. Strictly observe the regulated principles. By this process, the Supreme Personality of God will very soon be pleased with you and will satisfy all your desires. Okay, any last questions or comments? I know that was a lot to read, but you know, we got through it. We finished the chapter. So I will send out the uh, assignments for next week, but you know, this is a different chapter. Now the Supreme Lord agrees to become Aditya's son is the title of the next chapter. And uh, yeah, we're gosh, we're, we're two thirds through Canto eight already. So thank you for uh, sticking with this. Uh, I know we are almost on a one month hiatus. But we are back, and it's nice to be with you all. Thank you, Krishna. And have a nice week in Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. You too. Thanks. Thank you.